Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. Uh, I'm your host, Rob Kennedy, and we're here with Adam of Tab. How's it going? Doing all right, thanks. Thanks for having me. Early, I'm, right? I'm a big fan of the show. Thank you very much for listening. I've, I've listened to a bunch, and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. We're doing the low-tech edition today, so the audio will be slightly echoey because we're practicing for, we're, we're going to be in San Francisco in a couple weeks, so we're going to do it the kind of old-fashioned way. All right, cool. Um, so tell us about Tab. For sure. So Tab's a mobile payments app for dining. So um, we've really replicated the Uber payment experience in restaurants in which you have a profile, you have a credit card information. We have a list of about 80 participating restaurants across Canada. You go into one of the restaurants, you tell your server you're paying with Tab, you put your phone away and that's it. Um, rather than having these awkward payment experiences with the server coming into the wireless terminal, um, you just get up and go and you'll get an email receipt from us. And there are a number of different uh, value propositions layered throughout that experience for both the customer and the merchant. And that's what we do. That's pretty cool. Um, I think I, I used it in Toronto at the Irish Embassy. <laughs> there you go. Um, so uh, you go to the, the merchant, you go to the, the restaurant or bar or whatever, uh, and you say, hey guys, install this magical system. Do they have to install something at their end? Um, so we. We've been, we, initially we provided a lot of our merchants with iPads. Mm -hmm. um, we really wanted to focus on a curated list of merchants. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't want to give them any reason to say no. So we provided them with an iPad. Mm -hmm. We brought them a really awesome case as well. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're getting to the point where we're not forcing, but we're suggesting to the merchant to buy their own iPad to accept tab. The same way that, you know, ultimately when you start a restaurant, you're going to have to uh, purchase, an, uh, purchase an POS, yes. purchase a, create a bank account, you're going to need a wireless terminal to, to accept regular payments. Mm -hmm. Like we fundamentally believe that they're going to start to wonder, like, how do I begin accepting mobile payments in my restaurants? And we're starting to emerge as leaders in that space. So we pitch the restaurant on our product mm -hmm. and we sign them up. We get them set up with our app. We train them. Training's a big part about what we do. And then, uh, and then the consumers just start piling in, just start, just start, the millions run, start coming. running into the restaurant. <laughs> so one last thing about the restaurant side of things, like, so if it's an established restaurant, so it's not a new restaurant, yeah. chances are they have a point of sale system already. They've invested in all that stuff. Yeah. And then you're coming with another way of doing things. Yeah. Does it, does it rankle them or they're like, no, we're, we're, we're archaic and we need to be, um, Listen, probably every single restaurant is cognizant of the, the fact that this is another way, another thing that I need to add. Mm -hmm. And I think that those that have said no, and there are people that say no, mm -hmm. um, the reason why they said no is I don't, just don't want to add anything to my flow. Like Everything's perfect. We're doing okay. I don't want to add another thing. I think that every single restaurant that we talk to um, is cognizant of the fact that um, this will be the future of payments in restaurants. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's like a question for them. Like yes. they're, they're smart enough to know that. The big questions that they wonder is who and when. Mm -hmm. Like who is going to be the company that I partner with to do this sort of thing and when is the right time for me. Right. Um, so it's our job to convince them that the who is us and the when is now. And, and so from the consumer side, so I as a restaurant customer, I would mm -hmm. just download the app in the App Store. And, in the uh, App Store, yeah. It's uh, iTunes, it's uh, iOS and Android? iOS and Android on iOS, just search tab on Android, you gotta search tab payments. Okay, and then you download the app, install it, and then once you create your profile, you just see all the restaurants that you can Yeah, all to. the restaurants nearby in your city, so we're now in Toronto and Montreal, um, will appear by location. Yeah. Um, and then you can search for them. We have a little bit of restaurant info, some hours and a phone number that you can call if you want to make a reservation. So if I'm like, um, 
Well, you just brought up something interesting. You just expanded to Montreal mm -hmm. like last week or last something? Week, last week. Thursday last week. We went live in Montreal. Congratulations and thanks, thanks. for coming for the show. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Just course. in time. Uh, so you can get in Toronto and Montreal. And um, do I have to... Um, when I go into the restaurant and say I'm a tab user, like with yeah. Uber, you, pull you specifically out your phone. say I'm paying with tab. I'm paying and with we tab. have it on our app where it says in quotes, tell your server I'm paying with tab. Do you have to, um, does the user have to even open the app? Or yeah. Do they just yeah, so you have to open the app. We enable most, if not all, of our restaurants with iBeacons. Mm. So a customer with Bluetooth turned on and on iOS will receive a dynamic push notification greeting them at the restaurant. Mm. Welcome to Gusto, Adam. Would you like to pay with tab? Mm -hmm. If you swipe it open, that will automatically create your tab. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you'll have to press new tab when you're at the restaurant and then verbally tell your server. Got it. And then you do all the food things and then you walk out the door when you're done? Right. So Basically. ordering and Dining is exactly the same. Like we don't want to get um, involved in the ordering and dining experience. Mm -hmm. We think that there's a lot of value and a lot of personality um, that the server brings to that ordering and dining experience. And you know, we really don't want people playing on their phones the whole time. It's two right. clicks, put your phone in your pocket, enjoy your company and meal. Um, but then at some point you can literally just get up and go. And it's not like, it's sexy to say like, never have to wait for the bill again. But really what it is, is it's just removing the transactional element out of the dining experience. Mm -hmm. Like all these restaurants work so hard at creating this like magical orchestra of food service ambiance of all these incredible moving parts coming behind the scenes that you don't see mm -hmm. to create this beautiful dish in front of you that, um, the end payment experience just adds such little value right now mm -hmm. and wireless terminals like the traditional wireless terminals lead to such like an, an awkward exchange between server and guest especially when you're splitting the bills that right. we're just we're really just removing that payment process altogether and do, the one last just mechanical question is yeah. from a tip perspective that's mm -hmm. baked in yeah so you can set your tip at any time we allow you to set a default if you never want to touch anything mm -hmm. and you can change your default to whatever you want when you're actually at the restaurant okay cool our average tips have been rather high oh yeah um yeah, a, a, a couple percentage points above industry norms so we're super excited by that i was wondering because you know with taxis i found that you, you know with uber you can sort of tip if you kind of feel like it. You, mm -hmm. People probably didn't always tip on taxis or whatever. They just mm -hmm. tip the change. Yeah. Whereas at a restaurant, I think it's more part of the experience you're expected to tip. Totally. And the big difference between Uber and restaurants is, um, or transportation and restaurants, is that you're expected to have like a uniform service in, in cars, right? Mm -hmm. It's always supposed to be like, okay. Like it gets you there, no problems. Okay, right. I give it a lot of tip. But there's so many variances towards personalities to how that server interacted with you that we you, you need to be able to change your tip um, on on the way that your dining experience has changed. Right. So that, that's something that's very important for us and, and we've seen that a lot. That's cool. So Having said that though, people don't really go off their default that often. Right. But we give them the option to do that. Right, that's why the default is 73% tip. Right, exactly. Um, so, how, how did you, so just briefly backing up, um, this is not your first kick at the can. You mm -hmm. did do a startup before this one mm -hmm. called Huddlers. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about, just very briefly, like um, how, how long did that last? What was it and how long yeah, did, totally. did it last? Yeah, totally. So I'll even go a little bit before sure. that. Um, 
So I'm a corporate lawyer by background. I articled it on call to the bar. I knew I always didn't want to practice law, mm -hmm. um, but I was a sports junkie. I played basketball like five times a week, and when I wasn't playing basketball, I was playing baseball or tennis or something. Mm -hmm. um, so Huddlers, the company that I started after becoming a lawyer, was a mobile sports scheduling app for recreational athletes. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially people that organize games, whether it be in a league or pickup, via reply all emails or mass text messages. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we uh, basically created this mobile experience and because it was mobile we leveraged mobile technology mm -hmm. location calendar contacts ability to see a chat room ability to see a dashboard of who's in who's out mm -hmm. and it was cool we had a lot of small wins crashed and burned for a long time mm -hmm. um, and ultimately we just reached this inflection point where we weren't able to raise, raise enough capital and we weren't able to show enough traction that uh, we had to stop working on it how do you know that that's the one thing I think uh... It's tough, like being an entrepreneur, and, and you're gonna, you know, you're not facing this, this tab quite the same. But um, the, I'm gonna ask you one quick question. But first, I'm gonna say this is entrepreneurs in small rooms drinking coffee. Uh, I'm Rob Kennedy, and we're here with Adam of Tab. Um, so we're just talking about your uh, previous uh, startup, and you're, how, how do you know when you're done? Because you know, people tend to, with sunk costs especially, people tend to throw good money after bad. They're like, no, 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 I built a thing. It's an idea. Look, there's some people who like it. And, and sometimes it takes a while, like you just have to keep burning, 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 and all of a sudden something happens where you're like, oh shit, this is the thing, um, and it makes the, or breaks the business. How did you know that you should stop that and start something else? Um, I just think we hit a breaking point in that previous company where we just could not go on any longer. I see. Um, it, there wasn't a conscious decision, it was a, a decision by force mm. that, that our efforts to like push on through and believe this thing was unfortunately just not met with the overwhelming success that we required it to have from the general public. Right. So we had to stop. So when you, when you do that, I'm curious because like, yeah. do you just like say, all right, well, we've got some customers and so see ya and yeah. then you walk away? Like how does um, that work? The product still existed and yes. people that used it still used it. Mm -hmm. Eventually we kind of phased them out, mm -hmm. but there wasn't updates on the product and um, we kind of stopped, I stopped from a business development perspective, like trying to get new customers in and that was kind of the extent of it. And then you thought, hey, look, I'm a masochist. I'm going to start another company. Like how long right. between so those? I, I went through a like two to three month, like what the hell am I doing with my life phase? I still kind of go through that just on a <laughs> morning by morning basis. Right. Um, and so I was looking at jobs at good startups, good tech companies in sort of business development and then also product manager roles. I think that's where I saw my strengths. Mm -hmm. um, but all the while, a very good friend of mine and I uh, were, were, were looking at the mobile payment landscape. He angel invested in my previous company. Mm -hmm. We saw what was going on um, and we saw that there was a niche that could be filled in restaurants and specifically dining. Whereas like there were, there were all encompassing mobile wallets that were going to attack like quick service and retail and we knew we couldn't compete with those mm. but we thought that we could have a very um, strong offering in full service dining and then specifically um, this gentleman is named Mike Kimmel mm -hmm. he uh, is the principles of one of the principles of the Chase Hospitality Group which okay. is the Chase Chase Fish and Oyster and now Colette okay. so, and he also has deep ties to hospitality and dining in, in Toronto so we were sort of looking at ways to leverage my operational experience with his access to capital and competitive advantage in Toronto food and beverage. Right. So we were talking about this and all the while I was interviewing with other companies and during that time I was kind of just 
pounding the pavement and just talking to as many restaurant owners as possible. Like, how do you handle payments right now? Where are your pain points? Like, what's going on here? And then talking to as many like actual consumers being like, 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 to what extent do you hate waiting for the bill or splitting bills? Like, how can this be improved? And then looking at other sort of like on-demand mobile experiences that were doing like really compelling things that I thought we could bring value to. That's interesting because I, you know, intuitively would have thought you went to a restaurant, you're like fucking stupid payment thing. <laughs> yeah. And then that was the catalyst. But you were, you're like looking at the mobile payment landscape and you thought this was with your unfair advantage in the dining space might be a place to start. So you came at it from a different perspective. Yeah, like listen, I've, I've had the pain points many, many times. Sure. Like, we've all, I've always recognized that there needs to be a better way. Yes. There wasn't this like eureka moment that like, I can't handle this any longer right. I'm with this burning passion. But no, I was looking for opportunities for myself. Um, and whether it be job or whether it be starting a new company, um, I, there was a very distinct moment where um, I had a job offer from a very strong um, company that was recently acquired in Toronto mm -hmm. by another company. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was about to walk into sign a shareholders agreement and I was like, do I want to do this or do I want to, I guess, I've developed a lot of skills that are very unique to being a founder. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to continue to work on those skills and I thought that I could do a better job with my second company. You think that's a disease? I'm starting to wonder if that's a disease. <laughs> uh, to be determined. Because very, I, I you very know, much so to be determined. Okay. So like you, um, uh, did, so you, what did you do? You, you got, uh, did you like you and your angel, did you get a little seed round? Yeah. So at that time, yeah. uh, we raised a very small seed round. Mm -hmm. We built a small team mm -hmm. and we've got a product to market. Um, so in about that, took, that was about a three to four month process. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a pilot program in March 2014 for about six weeks. Mm -hmm. um, all the while, like during this process, we put out like Craigslist ads to interview as many like managers and servers as possible, like just getting them to click on buttons on like interactive wireframes and stuff. Oh yeah, um, that was a fun learning process. From, from the restaurant's perspective, you're testing. Totally, um, we 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 wanted our product to be the best thing that a server has ever touched. Yeah, um, and we wanted to know exactly like none of us have been servers in restaurants before, and we wanted to build our product for servers so that at scale, um, this is something that they can use in service no problem when they're handling 20 tabs at a certain point in time rather right. than one or two here and there. Um, so we built that product. We launched in April 2014 towards the end of April at about, I want to say, uh, 14 restaurants. Mm -hmm. We actually just launched in Montreal with 14 restaurants, so it seems to be Lucky a sweet number. sweet number for us. <laughs> um, and it's been great. And then um, what's been great, it's been a lot of hard work and um, we've been steadily growing our restaurant base and our consumer base all the way. So there's a lot of stuff to unpack in what you just said. Like one thing I'm curious about is um, there's the mobile payment stuff, there's the restaurant stuff. I mean. First thing is you effectively you're sort of like a two-sided marketplace in the we sense are. that you got to get restaurants to buy in, yeah, and you got to get consumers to come onto your platform. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the restaurants are like, well, how many people do you have on your platform? And the you know the consumers are like, well, I'm not going to use this if there's no restaurants. How do you solve that problem? Well, the first is get a really good list of restaurants. Yeah. Um, but the first really is develop a product that provides very strong value propositions for those restaurants right. and understand what those pain points are to to, to like ring true to those value propositions. Mm. So I think we've done that. Um, I think that we've been able to show that. I think that we've been able to show that uh, these compelling mobile experiences are something that should be in a restaurant and restaurants are well aware of that. So we were able to seed ourselves with a steady group of restaurants 
And then did from you there, select them? You like this is the kinds of restaurants. Yeah, I totally. Work with, like, location. Yeah. Like, so we we uh, selected the location that we're sitting in today. Yes. Uh, the King West Spadina, King and Spadina Strip. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that there were one a lot of really good restaurants. So we we launched with fourteen. There were probably ten here on this strip. Mm -hmm. um, so we launched with fourteen, and we focused on this strip because one, um, there's a lot of great restaurants here, mm -hmm. but also. Um, like this is probably the most tech-forward strip in Canada. <laughs> this two-by-four-block yeah. radius. And the crazy thing was when we launched, um, PayPal has a product that works in quick service and retail. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of small coffee shops and quick service places that can pay with PayPal. And, and, and we, we were at a point where when we launched and they were putting some launch efforts towards this quick service product, you could probably pay with your phone at 80% of the merchants on King between Bathurst and Spadina. So clearly we both fought uh, strategically in the same way mm -hmm. and it was like this this really unique bubble of mobile payments. Um, and then since then we've, we've uh, spread across ourselves across the city. Yes. Um, so one area that we've really targeted that's been fantastic for us is Queen West. Mm -hmm. um, as a fellow East Ender, unfortunately mm -hmm. it hasn't been as successful for us. It doesn't seem like most of our users are there. So we've kind of focused Queen West, King West, uh, Dundas West, mm -hmm. and then up Young Street. I see. Um, to, to Yorkville, to Young and Eglinton. Touristy kind of focus. I think it's just high density. I think it's just high density uh, yuppies. I see. That, that's that seems to be our target. <laughs> target market. Well, yeah. and, and this goes like for those who are listening and don't live in Toronto, uh, maybe even in the states. Um, Toronto and San Francisco, they remind me of each other a little bit. Where there's an appreciation for food, there's a high density of good restaurants. And New York is, I mean, like obviously we're not New York, <laughs> but mm. there's like this. Uh, but the, I think the analog is in San Francisco because it's a you know startup hub. Um, I feel like there's constantly entrepreneurs approaching restaurants. Um, like I'm just thinking of the coffee shop, uh, the Dark Horse around the corner from here. Every time I would go into Dark Horse, there was a different loyalty rewards program. Yeah. Like literally every time I went in. So not only do you have to convince a restaurant to use you, you also have to convince a restaurant to use you versus the 39 other things that come in to them. I'm sure they're being pitched every day with, I have a new restaurant app. It's, you know, it does these things. Yeah. How do you separate yourself from that noise? And PayPal was an, an example of people with a substantial budget. Yeah. They were subsidizing their meals. Right. People. For sure. So um, I, I think it's it's not just, listen, our product is a mobile payment product, but mm. that's kind of just table stakes. Like being able to handle money is is part of the game. Yes. But there's other, so a big thing that like we fundamentally believe in is, is kind of the personalized dining experience. So our phones know a lot more about us and the cards and cash in our wallet. Yes. So we like to create what we call a personalized dining experience. So um, server has the ability to know the name and face of every paying customer. Mm -hmm. um, they have the ability to know the number of times the customer has been at the restaurant. Other products that they use right now provide them tools for some of that, but we say it's not in contextually actionable moments. Like OpenTable provides that, but it's on web for the reservationist to see, mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to relay that information back to a server in the middle of service. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you, the customer, you see your server's name, you can rate your server at the end of the meal. Managers get server performance reviews in which they can see exactly what people are saying, their average sales and average tip per server. Um, can you like hail your server? No. Okay. No. Is that intentional? Yeah. Like <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Um, there's a certain privacy aspect that we don't want to breach with servers. Fair enough. Um, but you know, 
like payments in the smartphone as a wallet paradigm yes. are, are not just about paying with your phone. Like if it was just about paying with your phone, like we wouldn't be here in the restaurants that we are with the users that we have today. It's about these efficiencies and... So you're more than just Apple Pay. Correct. It's about efficiencies and, um, and elements of personalization that are created through the smartphone that you would not otherwise be able to do that with credit card and cash. And I think that we've been able to provide these compelling value propositions on both sides of the marketplace mm -hmm. that, uh, that definitely speak to that. So, and again, for those just tuning in, this is Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. Uh, we're with Adam of uh, Tab today. And so when you buy, so uh, does a restaurant pay some monthly fee or is it a transactional fee? Or how yeah, does it so it's a transaction fee comparable to what they're paying today for payment processing fees. Cool. So uh, restaurants will have a traditional payment processor and they'll have tab for mobile payments. Ah, cool. So we take a very small amount per transaction. It's a, it's a high volume, low margin uh, revenue generating source. Fair enough. And then in terms of, uh, okay, so one of the things we sort of unpacked was, I want to get back to the marketplace thing too. I find, and you tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but in businesses that are marketplace driven, Often finding suppliers isn't the hard part mm. because you can always find somebody. I mean, in your case, it's high value people, which is hard, mm. but you can always find somebody to seed the yeah, totally. thing. It's getting the consumers on your platform that costs a fortune. Uh, and, and, it, and it's, there's no science to it. No. Like at the end of the day, the supply side, the restaurants is sales. Yes. Like we, we will sell to restaurants. We're annoying enough and are strong enough salesmen, our team to get as many restaurants as possible. And that's just time, energy and sales cycle and yes. managing the sales cycle. Yes. The demand side is like the big question mark. Yeah. And the demand side is actually kind of fun because it's like, we don't know how to get customers and we're going to try tons of different things and figure out what these things are. And they change every single month. They change every single day. Um, it's like, it's almost like finding oil sometimes where, you know, when you find oil, you'll like, like punch a hole and everything will just like spurt Work. out yeah. and then like it goes dead really quickly. Right. That's user acquisition. Um, well, it's because you're, you're doing two businesses. You're doing a B2B and yeah. you're doing a B2C. Right. So user acquisition on the it's demand side, like customers. Yes. So, so finding that oil well, we're always in search for that oil well and you get diminishing returns when you find it. So, um, we're always trying new things. You have to be really, really creative. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we've done a good job so far. And your, yours is different too, because like if I buy a Facebook ad mm -hmm. and I have a digital product, yeah. uh, then I can buy the digital product directly as a result of a, an ad. Right. Whereas yours is a physical real world thing. So you can right. do an ad on Facebook, but then translating that into action in the real world is a bit tougher. I mean, you have a digital product, correct? kind of is the you know interfaces between the two. To that end, I would just say it's it's very important to, for us to target those ads as efficiently and as granular as possible. Right. Do you find that what's the most effective ac uh, customer acquisition ac mechanism you've found so far? Um, so referral codes work really well for us. Yeah. Like uh, you know, we're not the only startup to do it. No. There's Uber, Dropbox, many, many stories of referral sure, codes. Sure. It's pretty great. Um, you don't think that's w too worn down now? When those um, guys did it, you know, money, money's money. Like people like yeah. uh, $10 off at a given restaurant and, and whether it be right or wrong, like we've, 
put a lot of thought into referral codes. It's the most scalable thing that we could possibly do because we don't have to do any work. Someone downloads the app and there's these network effects yeah. associated yeah. with it. Like I joke that our, our head of growth is probably the most uh, advanced person in referral code and promo code theory in Canada. Oh, yeah. and, I don't, and I do not doubt that by any means. I thought you were saying he eats a lot or she eats a lot and then refers to the restaurant well, to everybody. That too. That too. <laughs> we all do. Yes. Um, so that works really well. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other thing that's been really effective for us is Twitter ads. Um, really? So Twitter ads have been substantially more effective than Facebook ads. Like Facebook ads have been like nothing for us, whereas Twitter ads um, have been great for a number of reasons. Listen. Twitter's an early adopter product where we're, we need to speak to early adopters. You can target on a much more granular level based on interests and location. Mm -hmm. And without getting into details about that, that's why Twitter is substantially sure more effective for us. Do you find that like, so by, by targeting the sort of this group where, where we're talking about right here, I mean, maybe mm -hmm. not the like main streets of Toronto, but like um, the tech savvy people, uh, you might be able to slowly saturate that group of people, but it is like a small group of people. It's not representative of my mom. Right. So are we don't you, want your mom right now. We do at you some. You want early adopters now. We, yeah, exactly. Are you thinking that like they're sort of thought leaders and they will? Yeah. Well, like listen, we're, we're like the thing that we kind of have to navigate is um, mobile payments and mobile payments in restaurants are an early adopter behavior. Mm -hmm. So um, what what us and I think any company in mobile payments have to kind of reconcile is when do you start to target the masses on both supply and demand side mm -hmm. and dedicate money towards like really pushing the pedal to the metal mm -hmm. or when it, when is it like creating this infrastructure um, around the, the early adopting companies and consumers um, to emerge as a leader in this space and when that time is right, when the mobile payment, you know, smartphone as a wallet paradigm becomes a reality um, then you're ready to put the pedal to the metal and, but, and we're not there yet. Yeah. But do you think like, I guess two things, one is, um, so you're the, to, to get that volume of customers to, mm -hmm. to, even if it's early adopters, to get that volume of customers, you have to be decently well capitalized now because yeah. buying, it doesn't matter what platform you buy ads on Twitter or Facebook. No, no, no 100%. Matter. It there, takes a lot of money to, yeah. to build up a brand and, and stay top of mind. Totally. Uh, it takes money to pitch restaurants. It takes money to buy consumers. It takes money to go to other cities. So do you have to like raise another round or something yeah, like so immediately so that you can do that? We're, we're working on it. Okay. Uh, we do have to raise capital and, yeah. and we're working on it. Cool. Um, how do you know when is the time to do that? Um, you know, when you, I would just say when you've realized that um, you have something right now that's working and it, it, it's, you're able to discernibly say, um, if I put more money into this and X number of dollars into this, I will get a return that looks like this. And I will show you, potential investor, the return that looks like this for you. Um, so I think that we validated what we need to validate here in Toronto. We shown recently that we can scale our operations to another city and that this isn't just a home field advantage sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And now we're really excited to continue to grow. How did you know to move to another city versus lighting up more restaurants in a given city and why Montreal? So we are still lighting up more restaurants in a given city. Fair enough. Um, why Montreal? So I think that we... So you have to put marketing money and time yeah. into, if it's another city, you're not putting it into Toronto, right? Right. Or the city that you happen to start right. in. So, so, so to that end, Toronto, the engine is kind of moving itself. Like okay. we're actually getting like inbound leads in Toronto from restaurants. 
Um, we can go to restaurants. They're just like, yeah, we've been waiting for you to contact us. And I'm okay. just like, why don't you contact us instead? <laughs> it's like, we don't pitch to people, we get pitched. Um, and then from consumers, people are talking about it. There's some brand recognition. So the engine is moving itself. There's mm -hmm. these kind of network effects at play mm -hmm. in which the network is now becoming stronger on both sides of the marketplace. Mm -hmm. We needed to start fresh. And why we started, but chose Montreal, I think that we realized really quickly that there, we have a fair bit of competition in the States. Mm -hmm. And um, on account of that, we thought it would be best to just become, not just become, like we still can be other things, but um, to emerge as the Canadian leader where there isn't competition and Canada is still nonetheless a very big market and there's a lot of spend in restaurants um, and potential other verticals, but um, we wanted to emerge as a Canadian leader as fast as possible. I think that any company in dining mm -hmm. could not call themselves a Canadian leader without having a robust presence in Montreal. Yes. Um, this, you tell like French Canada in terms of French? Or I'm, I'm turning the, the dining, culture. like the food culture in Montreal is just like they live to dine out yes. in Montreal, whereas yes. we live for many other things here right. in Toronto. <laughs> right. And there are some of the most notable restaurants and chefs in, in all of Canada residing in Montreal. Cool. So it was really important for us to develop partnerships with those top tier restaurants. We had some... Uh, ties to friends in restaurant technology that also worked in Montreal that they helped us a fair bit. Mm -hmm. And the other really interesting thing is more than any other city, there's this camaraderie between the chefs and restaurant owners in Montreal and Toronto that doesn't exist in any other two cities. Oh, like they all like each other, they all know each other, they like each other's pictures on Instagram, they mm -hmm. feel like they're best friends. So I can walk into a restaurant in Montreal and say like, we're in Toronto's best restaurants. They're like, are you in Gusto and Toronto? I'm just like, yeah. And they're like, okay, we're good. Um, and you wouldn't get that in any other city. I don't do, you, think. do you find that like I mean we were talking before the show like the the, the requirement for for being somewhat mar social media savvy mm. is important like posting photos on Instagram you said makes restaurants these days um, is there like are you thinking about doing that kind of thing or you're like no 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 it's just payments I'm not going to help you with the marketing of your stuff uh, what we do we, no so we do that's actually not true so we okay. do provide payments but what we're really doing is creating this community of awesome restaurants and people that are passionate about dining mm -hmm. so we post very actively uh, incredible photos on our social channels about our participating restaurants mm -hmm. and restaurants are very appreciative of that so um, like we want to bring people into this awesome thing that is tab tab isn't just like payments as I was telling you mm -hmm. tab is this community of diners and restaurants that are looking for more personalized ways to engage with their favorite meals and favorite chefs so and I think you might have just answered the question but I'll ask it anyway um, mobile payments to your point is a thing right yeah. like clearly apples and, and Apple pay and I understand that they're like almost a plumbing layer uh, you know Google has their wallet um, PayPal's trying to figure things out mm -hmm. um, so like it's just a matter of time before, you know, somebody cracks the nut and at your point, like, goes hard. Are you concerned that you're in a space that, you know, you've got a niche in the space, but when mobile payments, as they will ultimately be, rolls out, you're, you're competing with PayPal or yeah. you're competing with Apple? So, so the biggest misnomer is that Apple Pay is bad for us. Apple Pay is amazing for us. Yes. Because for two reasons. 
there's two, there's two aspects of Apple Pay, right? There's Apple Pay proper, mm -hmm. which is the thing in your passbook that will allow you to pay at merchants, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where you just tap your phone and like via NFC enabled payments. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Apple Pay SDK, which allows third party apps like ourselves to get credit card data very securely and easily. So right now, if you sign up with Tab, you uh, take your credit card out, you put in your information, you create a profile. Mm -hmm. In the future, you'll be able to just create a, an account with Apple Pay, essentially, mm -hmm. and it'll mm -hmm. be done very, very simply and easily. Yes. So, and then when Apple Pay comes to Canada, people will legitimately be able to like leave their home without a wallet. So that's fantastic. And on account of that, um, like our perspective on the mobile payment landscape is that all these all-encompassing mobile wallets will win quick service and retail. Anytime that you're at a terminal mm -hmm. and that, that you're paying at a cashier, um, you will use one of those products. Yes. But there's just too many layers to specific verticals like uh, cars with Uber, with um, dining with us, that these all-encompassing mobile wallet products just can't provide as compelling enough value propositions and, and speak to the problems and pain points of the people within that vertical. So you're basically saying that like, you know, it's replacing the credit card, but the credit card doesn't solve the, doesn't provide the customer experience, the customer view that a or restaurant It's replacing would want. the form factor. Of exactly, the exactly. But it doesn't provide all the other good stuff a restaurant, say, would need in terms of understanding their customer. It's just mm -hmm. like, now I don't need credit cards, but I don't understand the customer any better, I just don't need a credit card, mm -hmm. a physical machine. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying. Um, yeah. Ish. Yeah. Ish. I'm, 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 I'm. No. So I'm, I'm saying that uh, mobile provides more than just credit cards. No. And you're saying Apple Pay. Yeah. Or a, a solution like that replaces yeah. the physical credit card. Correct. But it doesn't provide all the value around the credit card. Correct. It's just placing the form factor. Correct. But all the other good stuff, tab, that stack above mm -hmm. the actual fulfillment of the credit card is something that tab provides. Absolutely. And then, but I'll tell you what does kind of uh, scare us in a sense is that. I, I told you that we kind of have to tiptoe like when, when this timeline of when mobile became to become a reality. Mm -hmm. and the thing that we have to tiptoe is that all these other companies have substantially more capital behind them than yes. us. Yes. So we need to, I guess, elongate our runway to realize when when we'll be able to achieve this level of volume that makes us profitable. Yes. Um, and that's something that we're still trying to figure out every day, like when that time is. And that's a great segue to the, the last bit, which is how do you know what to do next? So you've Got Toronto, there's an, a machine there. You just started Montreal. I mean, you could, again, spend a bunch of time uh, doing ads and lighting up more cities. Like, how do you know um, what your next step is, given that you know mobile payments are inevitable and, you know, there's only so many cities in Canada? Yeah, so, um, there, but there's a lot of cities around the world. Yeah. Um, so we know that we need to expand operations and product. Mm -hmm. um, so operations, we just, we're just in Montreal. We'd like to be in a third city in the very near future. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd like to continue to grow in that respect. Okay. Um, from a product perspective, how do we know how to enhance our product? Mm -hmm. Like we listen to our users, we listen to our restaurants, we listen to our consumers, we ask them what they want. Uh, we see what what we need to build, and we continue to iterate our product so that we're providing more value and more elements of personalization on both sides of the marketplace. Right. Uh, well, the, the the one thing I always wonder, run having like done run product companies before, is. If you if you have an engineering team and, and like what what how big are you guys like in terms of people? We're a six person team. And how, are, you have some developers. Three engineers, one designer, one growth person, and myself. So, you can fall into the trap if you have a, a bunch of engineers. You're like, a oh, product is sort of good, but it's not good enough because mm -hmm. uh, everyone will always tell you what they think of your product, and some mm -hmm. people are right, and some people are wrong. Um, 
you can always engineer yourself out of problems, especially when you've got them on staff. Mm -hmm. How do you know when you should say, look, I need to stop working on my product at the moment because that's yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. What I need to spend my capital on is uh, acquiring new customers and blah, blah, blah. How yeah. do you avoid the trap of just in constantly navigating? Yeah, so there's, there's features like, so like how do we just, I think kind of what you're asking is, so what are the features that, like, how do you not build features that are just adding on what people, like, would kind of like in an email versus stuff that, like, really, really moves the needle? Yeah, because um, you can invest your capital. You've got it. We can make things a lot nicer and make tweaks forever. Because lasers and that can happen. That yeah. can happen forever. Um, you know, we're very cognizant of the fact that we operate in a uh, high volume, low margin industry right now. Mm -hmm. um, and we are on looking at exploring ways to create uh, lower mar low, higher margin, lower volume revenue generating sources. I so see. that's something that will move the needle that's beyond adding lasers and adding nicer buttons. Right, right. Um, but that's something that's very important for us. Cool. Um, so we're working towards that. Cool. Well, thanks. Well, we've have time. I'm sorry to say, All right. but uh, this was entrepreneurs in small rooms drinking coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy. Nick Coon produced the show, and we were hosted today by the working group. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks to Adam of Tab. Uh, you can get it on the App Store. Yeah, uh, uh, Apple Google App Play. Store. Search Tab, Google Tab Payments, or get.tabpayments.co. Get.tabpayments.co. Perfect. Uh, so check it out if you're in Toronto and now Montreal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a slick app, by the way. It's a pretty, pretty incredible sexy team. App. Yeah. Unbelievable <laughs> so team. just check it out anyway because it's a nice looking app. Uh, but thank you very much, everybody, and we'll see you bright and early, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Thursday next week. Thank you.